Lord Jesus, we just invite you to move, move in us right now. God, we are open and we are hungry. We are yearning for more of you. Lord, we, whatever that means, we just yearn for more of you to be deeper submitted, to access more of your goodness, your love, and your power. Mm, fill us up. Fill us up right now. Encounter us right now. Let this whole rest of the session be one hour-long encounter with you. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your presence. God, ask right now for the anointing for healing to be poured out. Right now, pour out the anointing for healing. Mm, that you would stretch out your hand and heal the sick through us. Mm, pour out your presence on us. That encounters with you would be normal life. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Whew. Man. So I want to take this next hour to talk specifically about healing. Um, healing is very, very near and dear to me. I really love healing. Um, but to me, that is only because I really love Jesus. I really love doing what Jesus did and doing the things that he loved. And so to me, I'm not a healing guy. I'm a guy really passionate about the presence of God and about representing Jesus. And I don't see any other option besides being a healing guy from that, because that is just what Jesus did. And it wasn't because he had the gift of healing or anything like that. It's because he's God, and that's what God likes. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't because he's God that he did it. It's because of God, he's God that he desired it. As a man, he did those things. As, as a man connected to the Father, submitted to the Father and abiding in him and full of the Spirit, he did all those miracles. Healing is a really big deal to God. Many, even, even in, in charismatic um, circles, it's very common to, ref to think of healing as um, sort of, it's good, but it's kind of, it's, it's nice. It's not, it's not core, it's nice. Um, I really want to challenge that uh, because that makes sense from a reasoning standpoint, and, and it makes sense if you're trying not to offend people and turn people off and cause people to be discouraged. And I don't want to do that, uh, but that definitely shouldn't be the core of what we're trying to do. You know, what we're trying to do is declare the gospel. Um, and, and in the gospels, Jesus was known almost exclusively for one thing, and that was healing. Um, that obviously isn't all that he did, but that's what he was known for. People came to him because he healed people. Um, and when they, when they got there, they were healed, and then they heard about the gospel. They heard about the kingdom. They were taught all these incredible truths that came straight from the heart of the Father. Um, but, he, but he was healing people all the time, nonstop. Every single person, every single person that came to him for healing was healed. He even approached people that didn't ask for it and healed them. Um, I know the Bible doesn't say that he healed every single person, um, but it doesn't say that he did that either. 
And I really don't want to create theology off of something that the Bible doesn't say. Um, I want to create my theology off of what the Bible says is important to think about. If the Bible doesn't say it, it's probably not something worth creating a theology about, regardless of whether that's true or not. We want to major on and have our theology influenced by what the Bible says and what it says is important. And what it shows us is what it demonstrates is every person that came to him was healed. The only time there wasn't healing in the Gospels was when there was unbelief around. When um, Jesus went back to Nazareth and it said he wasn't able to do many great miracles there because of their unbelief, because they had a lack of honor, actually. Um, but he, it does say he was still able to lay hands on the sick and heal them. So what happened was there wasn't like the mass healings that we see sometimes, but he was still Jesus, and he still laid hands on the sick and healed them because that's what happens when you're full of the Spirit, you know? The other time was when um, the disciples were trying to pray for the kid with um, uh, the seizures, you know, and it didn't work, and Jesus came down off the mountain, and they said, oh, we couldn't, we couldn't heal this boy. What's going on? And um, Jesus actually, he rebukes his disciples, um, and then he heals the boy. He didn't say, oh, don't worry, this one's from the Father. This one was given to teach you patience, to refine you in holiness and stuff like that. These things, honestly, would make a ton of sense for Jesus to say, it would, make, it would seem totally reasonable and like, oh, of course, that's really godly if him to do that. It's just not whatever happens, though. He heals him. He, even though he's saying, the father's saying he's struggling with unbelief and stuff like that, he heals him. And then he turns and his disciples, his disciples go, why, why didn't we heal the boy? And he, he said, first of all, he rebuked them for being a perverse generation, which means they twisted the truth. Um, and then for their unbelief for lack of faith, and um, Jesus talks about that a lot, faith or lack of faith. Um, but all of this shows it, it's a really big deal to Jesus, and it's not a nice thing at the outside of it. It's actually really core, really central to the gospel. And I, I don't want to say it's, it's the central thing. It's the thing that demonstrates salvation and whether you're full of the Spirit and stuff. Um, but I, I really want to form my theology by what the Gospels say, by what the Bible says. And they demonstrate something that's very core to our lives and, and to who God is. So core that he even names himself the God who heals. Like how much more central to God can you get than his name? I am the God who heals. Um, even in the Old Testament to David, he was the God who forgives all my sins, who heals all my diseases. Not most. <laughs> Let's look at even what he says. Jesus talks about healing sometimes, and he often does it in a roundabout way, indirectly. Um, but he still really clearly refers to heal healing in the Bible. Um, there's, most of the time, it's when people are challenging him um, for healing on the Sabbath. And um, there's one time where People are saying, oh, you can't heal on the Sabbath. And he says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? He's directly talking about healing here. And he's, he's saying healing is doing good. Healing isn't a nice thing, um, isn't an part of an arbitrary plan. It's as simple as doing good. And um, Acts 10 actually calls it the same thing. It says, Jesus went around 
um, doing good and healing all that were oppressed from the enemy. Uh, and that actually brings me to another thing that Jesus talks about healing as. He says, um, when the woman who's been crippled for, or bent over for 18 years, he says, um, he talks about her being set free from the bondage of Satan. How healing isn't an arbitrary um, God picking some and not picking others. It's, it's a setting free from bondage. It's a, it's a delivering from um, oppression of the kingdom of darkness into more authority from the kingdom of light. A setting free from bondage, specifically from the enemy. Jesus also refers to um, it, and I think this is the most beautiful picture, as a pulling, pulling your child out of a ditch or an ox out of a well. Um, the Pharisees challenge him for healing on the Sabbath, and he goes, wouldn't you, um, if your son fell into a ditch, immediately pull him out? If, and he's, another time he says, wouldn't you, if your ox fell into a well, wouldn't you immediately pull it out? Um, and he's, he's talking about healing again. He's saying this, this, isn't, this isn't something that, that only a couple people get and that it's just up to the sovereignty of God. This is, this is the result of a father reacting to the needs of their children. This is, this is, this is a father full of compassion, immediately reaching in to their, their kids' lives and pulling them out of it. Almost like a, almost like a, a gut instinct, an immediate reaction. And you know, like if I fell into a well in front of you, you wouldn't sit there and like, hmm, should I let him learn from his experience for a little bit? Like, you would just be in instant emergency mode, yanking me out, giving everything you've got to do. I, I know you would. And um, that that's the way the Father and Jesus think about this. It's, it's a oh my goodness, my child is suffering. I want to, I want to bring them out. I want to restore them. I want to bring them healing. Not a, uh, yeah, I should let them sit down there and, and think about this for a bit because they probably, they shouldn't have been walking there. You know, they know they knew that well was there. They shouldn't have done that and they should learn. Regardless of if that's true, the father immediately pulls their son out and then maybe talks to them about life choices they're making. <laughs> Um, the last thing that Jesus talked about, probably, probably not the last thing, but the last thing I'll talk about is um, Jesus talks about it as the children's bread. And uh, we see the, the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, uh, when she comes to Jesus to ask for healing for her daughter, and, and he, he says, you know, is it right to take the children's bread and feed it to the dogs? And um, really challenging and confusing statement. And she, of course, responds really well, and um, her daughter ends up getting healed. What we miss is that Jesus just referred to healing of the body as the children's bread. How, how beautiful is that? It's something so fundamental, um, necessary, uh, consistent, um, part of everyday life that is expected. Um, healing, us being healed, us releasing healing is, is the children's bread, is the birthright, is part of being in the family of God, according to Jesus. Um, so all, all of this gives us a picture of, of the way that God feels and thinks about healing. And I, I would love for all of us to have this same, this same thought process and structure around viewing this as not an arbitrary act that doesn't or does fit into a, a, a mysterious plan called the sovereignty of God. Um, I would argue it's much more... Um, Biblical to think of this as as 
an integral part of all of our lives. It's something that the Father loves, enjoys, and does not hesitate in desiring to give us. And um, I'll talk about a little bit later how do we respond when that isn't the case, when our experience comes against that, you know? Um, the the question, does God want to heal, is something that that is and should be, should come up a lot. And oftentimes it's something that gets us really hung up. Um, does Does God really want to heal people? Does he want to heal everyone? Is it only a few people? Um, this is something I was caught up on for a long time. And for a long time, my thoughts were, yeah, God likes healing, but it would be a little overboard to an extreme to say that he wants to do it every time. It would, it would be a little presumptive, and there's always exceptions to every rule. Um, and, you know, he's a person. He's not a robot. Um, so he's able to decide what he wants to do, you know. Um, I would argue, I, I don't want to shortcut processes because for me it was a long process of, of coming to this, this belief that regardless of my experience and what, what it's shown me and what problems that creates and making theology line up, God is the God who heals, not the God who gives sickness. And that, that is who he is and that is what he does. And there's only one time in the New Testament that we see someone question Jesus, do you want to heal? Uh, I believe it's in, in Matthew 8. Um, and, and the person comes up and says, if, if you are willing, heal me and make me well. And Jesus simply says, I will. And he touches him and he's healed. And that's the only time the Bible brings up that question. And in my mind, that's, that's the end of that question. Do you want to heal? Yes, I will heal. Yes, I want him healed. Um, so that, that brings up a lot of questions, I know, and it should bring up a lot of questions because it, it kind of makes a lot of things not line up, and I get it. <laughs> I do. Um, I believe they do line up. Um, it just takes some seeking out. It takes some uh, questioning of why we believe certain things. Um, I, I just really want our understanding of God to come solely from what the Scriptures say and not taking one thing the Scriptures say or one thing the Scriptures don't say and then using our experience to fill that in. It's also really hard to pray for people with faith if you don't think God actually wants them healed. I'll just throw that out there. Because <laughs> then you're just saying, Lord, if you want to, heal them. Okay, didn't want healed. See you later. <laughs> God must want you, want you sick. If, if you're going to have faith to, for, for healing, it, it's got to start with, I know God wants you healed. So I'm now going to release God's will and God's power over you because this is God's heart. And um, if he didn't want people healed, I'd be the first person to not pray for people <laughs> because that's the only reason we're here. That's the only reason we're doing this is because this is what God said to do. God, we, we, we also understand that God wants people healed because of what he told us to do. 
we look at what he, what he told his disciples to do. On two separate occasions, for the 12 and the 72, he says, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, tell people the kingdom of God is near you. And that's basically, that's basically it. <laughs> that's pretty much the only explanation he gives on what to do. He gives some instructions for how to enter and exit towns and stuff like that. But as far as, as how to, what you're supposed to do in ministry, how you're supposed to go about presenting the kingdom of God and the gospel, he says to do two things. Heal the sick. Tell them the kingdom of God is near to you. He doesn't say heal or ask for the sick to be healed. He doesn't say heal only those that I have selected. He says go into the towns and heal the sick that are there. And there's a period after that. There's not a, there's not a, a comma and yet or anything like that. Um, and, I, and I don't want to add those things. I don't want to, to say, well, but at, at the same time, when the Bible never makes statements like that. Again, let's let our experience and our, the standard of our lives be raised to the standard of the Bible instead of trying to bring that down so that our lives are safe. Healing and, and, you know, I know we're talking about healing now, but all of these things pretty much apply across the board to life in the spirit and following God and stuff like that. Um, but we're talking about healing right now. I want to talk about a few of the, the foundations of ministering, how to be effective in, well, what, what, what healing is all about. Healing is all about the kingdom. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Jesus did two things to, to summarize what he did when he was um, in his ministry. He taught on the kingdom of God and he healed the sick. Um, and what's interesting is he always, he generally always did those two things together. You almost, you, you many times will see the statement, um, Jesus healed all the sick that were there and taught them on the kingdom of God or taught about the kingdom. Um, or when, when it's a story, he tells them about the kingdom and he heals the sick. Um, and that's what he told his disciples to go and do. And he gave them authority to go and do. The, you almost always see this pairing of the kingdom and healing. And it's really hard to separate those two. And that's because healing is a huge part of the kingdom. And, and that, that's what it's about. Um, so we need to learn about the kingdom. What, what is the kingdom? Well, according to the Bible, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy, which that's great news for us. I mean, what if the kingdom was like anxiety, depression, and death? Like, man, we'd still have to be part of it and represent it. Well, I think it's very fortunate that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. That means the more righteousness, peace, and joy that we're walking in, the, the nearer the kingdom is, the more easily the kingdom is released the more powerfully it dwells. You know, whatever phrase you want to surround that with. We walk in righteousness. We, we have revelation of the righteousness that God has given us. We receive the, the peace. Jesus said, my, my peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. We walk in that and then we celebrate. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We, we have a party. We have a Jesus party everywhere we go. <laughs> and that's the kingdom. The kingdom isn't sobriety 
and self-sacrifice and denial. And I want to downplay, you know, denial and self-sacrifice. This is just what the Bible says the kingdom is. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And um, so we need to unashamedly walk in these things. And the more that we can do that, the easier it is to see people healed. Because healing is a part of the kingdom. Healing is all about love. And um, love can look like so many things. Love to a, to a starving man looks like giving him food. Love to a thirsty man looks like giving him a drink of water. To, to a woman that has lost her home, love looks like pitching in financially and, and finding a, a way to get her a home or building her a home or something like that. But what about, what does love look like to a man that's dying of cancer? Giving him a cup of water, it means nothing. Love to him looks like healing him of cancer. To a, a mom whose kid has never been able to speak before, it looks like restoring her son to her and, and seeing that family restored. Seeing that relationship able to flourish because she can hear her son's voice. It means to, to someone that's been stuck in a wheelchair their whole life and never able to walk, never able to, to use their body the way that God designed it, it looks like setting them free from that, letting them take dance classes and play tag with their friends and stuff. I mean, that's what love looks like to them. And that's all things that, those are, those are, those are directly things that we've seen here. And, and that's, we should ask them, <laughs> did they feel loved in that moment? <laughs> Healing is, is all about love. It's all about people being loved directly, people receiving the love of God, and that love transforming them. At the heart of it, at the very core of it, healing is all about turning people to Jesus. God calls these things um, signs and wonders. Uh, you can have a, a sign pointing to something. We've got an exit sign back there. You know, usually it's got a, an arrow or something. That sign is very real and very good and very helpful. But that sign, I don't walk through the sign. <laughs> I walk through the exit that the sign's pointing to. And every healing is a sign that Jesus is alive. Jesus is a God of love. God is here, and he's present, and he's good. They're all signs pointing to this reality of Jesus. Everything, every healing is another sign pointing towards this beautiful reality of the goodness of God and, and the resurrection of Jesus and the, the present nature of him. They all point to him. And, and that will dictate how we minister to people and, and the words that we use and, and the way that we, we approach these things is to do this in a way that always turns people to Jesus. And if, if at the end of it they come away thinking, wow, like Matt's super cool. Man, that's, that was great, you know? Even if they feel encouraged but they come away going, man, that Matt was great. I did something wrong. I need to repent hardcore because they should come away amazed at who God is 
even if they weren't healed during when they were prayed for, they should come away thinking, man, God is really good. Healing, it flows out of relationship with God. And Bible says the, the gifts of God are without repentance, meaning um, you, don't, you can't lose them even if you abuse them and you mess up. Um, we even see people in the Bible who are not connected to Jesus healing people. And instead of him rebuking them and telling them to stop because they weren't turning people to Jesus, which they probably weren't, to be honest, he still encouraged them. to. to he, he didn't directly encourage them, but he told his disciples not to stop them. He said, if, if they're not against us, they're for us. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't really like that. If someone was healing and not pointing people to Jesus, like, I'd be pretty frustrated with them. Honestly, I would. Um, but Jesus wasn't. Jesus was still really pumped that people were getting healed. Like, my theology still kind of, I, I'm really not comfortable with that. Like, this should, in my mind, still, it should be only about pointing people to Jesus. But Jesus seems to go far beyond that and say, no, I just, I'm a dad that wants his kids better. And so I'm really happy that these kids are getting healed, you know? And I, that's not the end goal. Is not the, the end goal is not for everyone to be healed, and we know that. Um, but it sure seems like Jesus was still happy, even though people were getting healed outside of relationship with him. We see in, um, in Acts, there were these the sons of a, a rabbi that were going around healing people and casting demons out. Um, what's really interesting about this is they they were able to cast out demons to a point. Eventually, they came to a demon that had a certain level of authority and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but you guys I don't know. And then the demon kicked their butts, and they left screaming and bleeding and naked from this house, <laughs> really humiliated. Um, I would argue that, that this is the difference between ministering out of relationship with God, well, in relationship with God, and outside of relationship with God, is they were able to minister to an extent um, simply because the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they'll, they'll be healed, simply because the gifts of God are, are irrevocable. Um, but doing it in relationship with God is where the real power is accessed, is, is where the, the, the Spirit of God is able to flow through and move and mark people and not just heal bodies, but heal spirits, and minds and restore people to himself, um, which is, is really beautiful. Um, because it's about relationship, there's no real formula here. There's no, like, this is how you do it. Um, it just a, a cursory look at the life of Jesus will show you, like, there is really no standard, this is how you heal people. The only thing we see pretty consistently is him laying hands on people, so we'll, we'll try to encourage that to always be pretty standard ourselves. But there is story after story of really ridiculous, crazy things of him, how he heals people. He's like spitting on people and rubbing mud in their eyes, telling them to go do weird things, um, just really weird, like putting his finger in their ears. Like, come on. <laughs> That's so weird, and it seems like really unnecessary. Like, just lay hands on him, whatever, you know? But that's not always what it looks like. And, and I believe what, what we're seeing in those stories is that Jesus 
wasn't following a formula. What we see him saying, like in, in John 5, is the son only do, does what he sees the father doing. We see him later saying, everything I say is what the father has told me to say. Jesus was led by the Father and led by the Spirit, even in the moment by moment of how to minister. Look, that's not something that you just decide to do to stick your fingers in someone's ears or spit on their eyes and stuff. That's not like a loving, compassionate thing. You're like, oh, I really want, really love this guy, so I'm going to spit on his eyes. <laughs> you know, that, that came because he was being led by the Father. And that, in the moment, was what the Father was doing. And I believe he does this. Um, because it's really easy for us to start relying on a system and relying on a, a formula. And when we do that, we are no longer actually trusting in God. We're trusting in ourself and our ability to follow a set of steps. And that's self-righteousness, and that's pride, and that's disconnect from God, and that is not helpful to us or anybody. And so he set this up in a way that we need to rely on him in the moment by moment, even how to minister to someone. Um, and so when, when we're praying for people, we always wanted to follow God, follow his schedule, follow his leading, follow even his methods. Uh, it, may, it may generally be very simple. Of Many times we see him just lay hands on people and say, be healed. Ears be opened. You know, get up and walk. Your, your son is healed. You know, those kind of things. Uh, but sometimes it looks pretty strange. And I don't, want to, I don't want to shy away from that. And I don't want people to miss a touch from God because I wasn't willing to look a little silly. And um, I've, got, I've, I've had friends do some crazy things. I, for some reason, I've had two friends who have taken a blind man to McDonald's and have rubbed ketchup in his eyes, and he was healed. Two separate friends, two separate blind people. They were just like, well, I don't have any mud, so I'm going to rub ketchup in your eyes. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible idea. Like, that's salty, that burns. I don't think the guy was very upset about it, though, because <laughs> he got healed, you know? Um, but that's strange. We also, Jesus uh, drops a statement in John, he's, and people are questioning the, the signs and the works that he's doing, and he says, these works, um, to paraphrase this, these works are, are the result, these works show that the Father is in me and that I am in the Father. He didn't say these works show that I am God and demonstrate my deity. They said these works show that the Father is in me. Um, we can make that same exact statement. These works show that the Father is in me. This is the result of a life filled with God. This is just what happens in relationship with him. Uh, we look many times when Jesus um, is praying for people, especially when we see these mass healings. Um, the Bible will have this statement beforehand that says, and Jesus was moved by compassion. You know, and Jesus moved by compassion, stretched out his hand, those kind of things. Compassion is, is one of the, the keys to accessing the, the, deep, the, the deep power of God, more than simply, um, you know, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover and doing what the, uh, you know, the, the rabbi's sons did. It's, compassion is what, what it, it, it's hard to describe. Compassion tears things. It rends things that are holding, that are, that are obstacles. It breaks down barriers that would otherwise be there in ourselves. 
and it, it lets us be broken for other people. Um, and walking in compassion is what is when you'll really see the power of God move because you're no longer concerned with, you know, am I looking going to look cool in this? Is this person going to get healed or not? And how will that make me look? Will I be embarrassed or not? It's simply a concern for that person and a desire to see them made well. And so walking in compassion is both a result of, of deep faith and trust in God and um, a key to seeing great power released. Um, and the final thing that, that healing comes from is, is faith. And Jesus talks about this over and over and over, probably more than anything else when he talks about healing, is faith and the connection that it has. And, and he, he seems to be all over the board in how faith affects it. Sometimes he's commending that person's faith. Then he's rebuking the disciples who are praying for people for lack of faith. Then he's saying, because of your friend's faith, you were healed. Um, it seems to be inconsistent. Um, but we, we can look into that, or you can look into it. Bottom line is, faith is a huge deal. And I don't care if, that, if a person comes to me with faith or without. I can still have faith. And I can bring faith to that equation and to that situation and, and because of that, be the one that the power of God moves through. Many times we think that faith um, means having a really beautiful prayer and like a really poetic prayer that has these little like puns in it and refers constantly to the scriptures and like has a nice cadence and flow and inspirational and stuff. Many of our, I have a, I have a, I have a vendetta against how we pray. This is a side note. I would say 90% of our prayers are actually teachings. We're not actually talking to God. We're talking to people, and we're saying, like, hey, you know, we say, God, uh, you know, we just really love this person, and um, I hope that they know how, how much we appreciate them. We're, we're talking to this person. And God, would you teach us about um, how, how present you are and how we can trust you and, and that you tell us to do this and this and this. These are great teachings right there, and we're not talking to God. We're talking to the people. There's like 10% of it there where we're actually like, God, would you please help us? Amen. Like, it just really bothers me. Like, it, it screams religion. It's not, it's not a sin. It just really reeks of religion to be saying we're talking to God and actually talking to people, even though we're saying really good things. Anyways, that's just my own little rant. You can, we can delete that from the, <laughs> the recordings. Because <laughs> if we start freaking out about that, we'll start getting more religious. <laughs> But, but trusting, trusting in God is trusting in Him and His goodness, not in how good we're praying. And Mark 11 is this crazy statement where Jesus says, you know, whatever you ask for, if you believe you have received it, it will be yours. Like, that seems so extreme. But before that, He says, have faith in God when you stand praying, if you believe you have received, whatever you've asked, you know, all that stuff. But he starts it off with have faith in God. Have faith in God. That, that's, the, that's the start. Trust in his goodness. Trust in his faithfulness. Trust in his love for these people. Trust in his desire as a good father to make them, his desire to make them well, to see them, to see them restored and blessed and made whole. How am I doing? Okay. I want to I wanna ask us a... Uh, a hopefully rhetorical question 
Um, and I want you just to take 10 seconds or so. How many times did Jesus pray for healing in the New Testament? How many times? I want you just to make an estimate in your head. How many times did Jesus pray for healing in the New Testament? I think Brian's got it. Zero times. Not a single time does Jesus pray for healing. What he does is he heals people. How many times do disciples pray for healing in the New Testament? In the Gospels, in Acts, in stories about Paul? Again, zero times. There's not a single story of someone asking God to heal someone. Jesus, when, uh, when he's raising Lazarus from the dead, it, it's, almost, it's kind of funny. He, um, he says, God, I know that you hear me. And then he's like, uh, I already knew that. I'm just saying that for their sake. Anyways, like, it's, almost, it, it, it's kind of funny. And he's like, I just want to do this. <laughs> like, I'm just saying this for their sake right now. How are you doing? You know what I mean? And then he goes, Lazarus, come out. He never prays for Lazarus to be healed, and he never does that anywhere. What he says is, hey, get up and walk. Ears, be opened. You know? He heals people. Same with uh, Peter and John. Was it Peter and John that were at the, the gate with the beggar? Yeah. You know, the guy's asking them for silver and gold, and... um. They, they don't go, oh, we love, let us pray for you. Let us ask the God of healing to come and heal you. They say, hey, silver and gold we don't have. What we do have, we give to you. Get up and walk. And he gets up and walks. They did not pray for him. So what did they do? They released what they carried. What we have, we give to you. What did they have? The presence of God the power of God, the love of God, God himself in them, moving through them. They didn't ask. They commanded. They released. This, this came from identity. They knew who they were. They knew they were sons of God. They knew that God dwelt within them. And so they were able to say, hey, what we have, I know what I have. I know who I am and that God lives in me. Because of that, what I have, I give to you. Same thing that Jesus says, freely you have received, so freely give. Right after he tells them to go and heal the sick. What have they received? The Spirit of God. What are they giving? The Spirit of God. Now, I want to, I want to qualify this and say, you are not sinning if you ask God for healing. By no means. Um, James says, talks about the prayer of faith offered um, specifically by the elders, but the prayer of faith that's offered that makes the sick person well. Um, so it's totally legal to ask for healing. Totally fine. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the great, he, my favorite healing ministers of all time, commonly asked Jesus to come and, and heal people. Um, so it's, it's not like it's a sin. I, I just think many times that is a symptom of our own unbelief and our own unawareness of our identity. And we come to God hoping and begging him to do something that he's told us to go and do. 
that he said, I give you my authority. I give you my power. Now go and heal the sick. And then we go to the sick and we say, God, would you come and heal them? And he says, I gave you my authority and power. Now heal them. And then we can say, just like Peter and John, that this was not by our power or godliness that this person was made well, but by faith in the name of Jesus. It's not our power. It's the power that God fills us with, that we carry and we get to release. And I think even though it's not, it's not wrong or bad to ask for healing, totally fine, legit, biblical, many times it's the result of a way of thinking and a, a structure that's more rooted in unbelief and in, a, in a, an orphan spirit than it is a spirit of, of confidence and faith and boldly, you know, taking the kingdom by force kind of thing. Um, so I present that to you to, to think about how, how you've been praying and not necessarily change how you've been praying, but, but search out why you've been praying that way. Ask, ask the Lord to show you what the, what the root of that is. So let's ask the, let's get to the, the big question that many of us ask internally or externally. What do we do when people aren't healed? We, gotta, we have to ask it. We have to hit it head on. It's not something you can dance around or you're going to totally burn yourself out and you can't pretend it doesn't happen because you'll burn yourself out and you're going to live a lie. You know what I mean? And um, but I hope you never experienced that. And I'll be honest, I don't think we're supposed to. We have no examples of Jesus ministering to someone and not being healed, um, except for, you know, when he prayed for a blind man and he was partially healed first, and then he prayed for him again, and then he was fully healed. I don't know what to do with that. Um, I, think, I think we're supposed to always see people healed when we pray. That's just the way the Bible describes it. In my own experience and in the experience of everyone I've ever spoken to or ever read about, that is not the experience that we have. People don't get healed sometimes. And we can take this and we can, we can try to use this experience or lack of experience to create a ton of theology that is not found within the Bible. That if we never had any experience and we just had the Bible, we would never have that thought. But because we have experience, we add that into the Bible and we create lots of these theologies of why. Um, and, and so it can get us really confused. I do, uh, uh, this isn't my main point, but I just want to stop on that really quick about God healing and wanting to heal. I do want to, to put the qualifier on that God is allowed to do anything he wants. And even though I, I firmly believe that the Bible gives us no other model for how to believe and how to approach God when it comes to healing than for absolute faith, God is totally allowed, if, I'm, if I can say that, to do whatever he wants at any point without consulting with me um, anytime. And, and he can refute, he will never go against his word, but he can very easily and enjoys going against our interpretation of the word. Um, so, but even, even though I believe that God can do anything he wants, I believe that our approach is never to change because of the model that we're given in scripture. We're to approach this everything as if God wants to heal firmly 
confidently. And um, if on the rare occasion, and I don't believe personally that I've ever experienced an occasion where God didn't want to heal. Again, I could be wrong. If we ever do come across that occasion, um, that will be an outlier, and that will be something that we'll either not know or it'll be something that God speak to, speaks to us about. Um, so what do we do when people aren't healed? Well, first of all, like we talked about, well, okay, generally I've, I've observed three responses to this. Um, response number one is to say, oh, God didn't want them heal, healed. And um, to create theology, to protect ourselves from being convicted, from our lives having to change. Um, the only thing is this generally, I, I've never seen this lead anyone deeper into faith. At no point in my life have I seen that theology result in greater faith, in people stepping out more, in people taking risks, in people going out of their comfort zones. A hundred percent of the time I've seen that theology take people away from stepping out and, and, and praying for people and just using faith in general. Um, so if, if you come to the conclusion that I have that God wants them healed, um, the second response I've seen people have is they start to blame themselves and they get really discouraged. They go, oh, so God did want my grandma healed, but she died. Oh, that must mean I, I, really, I really messed up. That was, that, it's my fault that that person died. And it's pretty easy to say that. It doesn't take a, a much logic to get to that point. Um, and that can be pretty discouraging and can be really, really heavy if you start to walk down that path. We need to not bear burdens that aren't ours to bear. Something bad can happen. Something that we pray for cannot happen. Um, we need to not make too big of a deal of ourselves that we take all the blame for it. If we're taking the blame when things don't happen, we're going to take the credit when they do. Um, so regardless, e even though it is on us to have faith, it is on us to release what we carry, and if we're not doing it, many of the times it won't happen, even though that's the case, we never have reason for discouragement. We never have reason to carry that on our shoulders and to blame ourselves um, because that's inherently self-focused and self-righteous and is, is bearing a burden that is not ours to bear. Um, that can be harder, harder in some cases than in other cases. And um, let, it, let it be what leads you to the third response which is saying, God, I know you wanted them healed. I know I had a, place to, a, a part to play in that and that for some reason it didn't happen. Okay, God, make me more like you. Draw me deeper to you. Change me. Lord, convict me of anything that's holding me back, that's holding back the power of the gospel being released. And, and change me. Convict me. Tear things in me that are holding you back. Let it be something that drives you to your knees. Let it be something that drives you to the Bible. Let it be something that drives you to, to worship, to prayer, to opening yourself deeper and deeper to God and submitting to Him. And let it, let it, 
lead you to the prayer of, of God, if Jesus were here, I know that person would have been healed. So make me more like Jesus. Make, make, make me look more like him, that he would be more fully able to dwell and to, to flow through me. Make me a more pure conduit of his power on this earth. That's the only response I see that, ha- that leads, acknowledges what happened, acknowledges it as bad, and then leads us deeper into faith, leads us towards God, towards stepping out, towards a lifestyle of risk and, and outwards and not inwards and self-focused. Let it drive you to Jesus. And um, you'll probably have many chances to practice that. <laughs> it's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is how to do that. Um, and it was not a pleasant one to learn. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that will be enough for them. I want to pray for a little bit and let us just uh, respond to God. We've got five minutes till it's 8.30, which is when I said it would be done. There's, a, there's so much more I want to talk about in regards to healing um, that I feel is, is really necessary and critical, which we're not going to be able to talk about, um, such as the, the connection between the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. It's so much deeper and, and more connected than we often try, than we often think of it as, especially in the West where we're, everything's compartmentalized and there's the body and the spirit and all that kind of stuff. Many times you will see such an intricate connection and manifestations of things in the physical or in the emotional that are actually a result of a spiritual sickness or an emotional trauma that for some reason has led to an open door in their spirit that the enemy has manifested something physical in um, that can get all convoluted and stuff. And, and really, the, only, the, it all, it's all the same answer. There's tons of problems. The same answer is always, Jesus wants to heal you. Let's just release the power of God on you. <laughs> you know? But uh, a lot of times that will also come with a need for a person to repent. It will come with a need to walk through or, or confront emotional trauma and, and memories in their past that um, have, a, have a grip on them. And regardless if you kick out the sickness over and over again, there's still an open door in the spirit that lets that thing come back in over and over again. And unless you deal with that, that, that person's never going to be able to retain that healing um, because there's still an access point. Um, so I think we're going to have another uh, a seminar um, maybe in January or February that will be exclusively dedicated to emotional healing and how that connection operates and how to, how to walk gently through that but powerfully and effectively through that. Because, man, you can do some serious damage to people if you're messing around in their, their heart and doing it in a way that's not gentle or, or loving, you know. And there's some, there's some tips and keys that I feel like I've learned over the past decade in doing that. Um, yeah, let's, let's go to God for a few minutes and, um, I'm just going to ask him to speak and then we'll take a few minutes to, to hear from him. Sound good?
Holy Spirit, I just I thank you for the standard of your word, uh, for the what you've given us as an example in the Gospels of what you've given us as directives, and and commands and and challenges and stuff you'd like to give us. We just thank you for that. Thank you for your promises. We wanna we wanna follow those and live up to them. God, would you convict us right now of anything? Any, any belief, any action, any mindset that has kept us from this life of radical faith, an outward-centered life that, that yearns to see the gospel demonstrated, to see people come to know you to, and to see Jesus glorified, would you convict us of um, anything that's holding, holding us back in that? So we'll just take a, take a few minutes and let him speak and um, just respond to him how you feel um, would be appropriate. Lord, we, um, yeah, we just give those things up to you right now. We're sorry for how they've, they've held us back and held back your hand in this world. Um, but God, we just receive your forgiveness right now. We receive your cleansing and, um, and just everything that the cross did. We receive that, that, that cleaning and that freedom in us. And uh, we thank you that that sin no longer has a place in us, a hold in us, or a stain on us, God. And um, Lord, we, we just receive your grace to walk um, op- opposite of that, to walk in freedom and in boldness, shamelessly, with your righteousness active in our lives. We just receive that, God, and we thank you for that grace. Thank you for that gift that you give without reservation. 
without withholding or being stingy. Mm, send us out, God. Send us out. We want to have lives that demonstrate the resurrection of Jesus, that prove that you're real simply by our lifestyle. Oh, we long for that so much, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done. The gifts you've given us of physical blessing and, and the unmoving blessings of peace and joy and righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Amen.